Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already October 4th, 2019. It is Friday. It's Question Friday. And I have a bunch of questions today, so I'm going to get started. My first question is, good morning to everyone in the chat. We have a lot of new people in the chat today, so good morning, everybody, or good day, depending on where you're from. Um, Today I have a question from Vincent Hawkins. We did a show on how feeling like a victim affects your true self from being seen, because when we are the victim of anybody we take on this persona of things are coming at me, things are attacking me, things are hurting me. And I'm, every decision I make is based on, is that going to hurt me more or not, instead of, should I try this or not, which is a completely different way of thinking. So there's a question from Vincent Hawkins, and he says, yesterday's talk on victimhood, which was the other day, Now that got me going. In my day job, I work with someone like that. They do not stop. It's very hard to keep going. How do you run, don't walk away in this? You walk, you work with them every day, and it is unrelenting. They are angry, yet have no idea of what they are doing. It's someone else who doesn't want to be fixed, who will close you down, with their continued story. In fact, anything you say or talk about will always bring it back to them. It brings me down and you cannot climb out of there. So, Nadia, I asked myself, was this part of my mission? Well, I gotta tell you, this is a punishment. I don't know how close you work with the person, if it is just that one person. But I have people who either you know, they're part of even this group, let's just say, because that's close enough. You can see it. We are all here. So that's a great example. Um, As a result of this, my master class in this week's seven-day challenge, the first day I took my own challenge, I realized that there was somebody around me very toxic. I knew it. I felt that creepy feeling, but I I gave, kept giving them the benefit of the doubt. But the truth will always hit the fan. So if you are in a place where you work with somebody who doesn't stop, who always does that, you have to just say how you feel, not to like, oh, my gosh, You don't stop talking and that because that's who they are. We can't take away who somebody is. But you can speak on how it affects you. So if the person just keeps coming to you and talking about themselves, you can say, I am busy and I can't concentrate. If you find that, like, you're on a break and they come and and you're back talking about that, say, you know what, I need my brain right now. I need to think about something right now. And 
let them know that you are not available to listen. And if you can avoid putting yourself in that place, because what's going to happen is that that anger that they have or talk about, because sometimes, you know, best complainers, they don't do anything about the problem. They enjoy complaining about the problem. And that's a different different thing. And, and they do get angry because they get angry when the story they invested in is gone. And, you know, we had an instance now on the page. So the day I find out that I need to um, release somebody, release somebody that does something for, for my family, not even just for me, but for the whole family, and their intentions over time. I was worried about letting this person go because I felt bad. I felt it's a loss of income. I felt like, oh, my gosh, you know, how could I even do that? But the person lied twice. And the whole time we're around this person, oh, poor so-and-so. Oh, we're helping her. Oh, she's so sweet. Oh, this. Oh, that. We would just go on and on. Oh, I love her. But then she lied to me. First time, I go, oh, there's no way. Did not believe it. Would not believe it. And ignored it. And then it happened again. So on my seven-day challenge, I was talking about it. Just the way all of you are discovering, when you hear your entire um, conversation, and like all of you are finding out uninterrupted in your voice, you start to realize you're aware of a lot more than what is actually in front of you. You're aware of what's going on. But what we are doing about it is where we get stuck because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And that's where I was. Or instill anger out of them or back from them. So what happened was, as I was talking that first day, and I've been so busy that I have to do three days today, so I am going to do half an hour this morning. But while I was doing it, I realized I'm not firing anybody. That person fired themselves. So instead of me thinking, oh, my gosh, this poor person, which is the way I think, and how am I going to, and I never stopped to think that they were as dumb as a fox. They knew exactly what they were doing. But because of the way I feel about hurting someone's feelings, She got away with a lot more than I would have, I guess I did, let her, because I couldn't believe it. 
So the fact that you know what's going on, Vincent, and it's hard to be around it, you have to find ways to minimize your time around them. If it's possible, even on a break, wear headphones and listen to a book on tape or do stuff that allows you to be in your space so that you don't keep getting sucked in. And again, depending on how many people are there. But instead of trying to change that person, because in this case, you you probably won't. And at certain ages, it's hard to change. You create your own little ecosystem of busy, if you can. And please let me know if that's even possible at your work. I know you're across the pond, so let me know at some point because I'm really interested in how to fix a situation where you're there and you are subject and a captive audience when, you, when you're not ready to be or probably even have the space mentally to be. So I have another question, and this one came from the chat, and it says, I have a question, please. I desire to attract a committed love relationship. How do I prevent myself from repeating patterns from my last relationship? Then it said, uh, then they said, my last relationship was more narcissistic. I am a giver and he was happy to be a receiver. I need to learn balance and how to identify when I'm giving and not receiving. I haven't dated in over 30 plus years, so it is a whole new experience for me. So there's good news here. One is, if you haven't dated for 30 years and you had a relationship with a narcissistic personality and you left, that's a good sign because it's hard to leave somebody who is narcissistic because they set it up for you to please them. And if you ever do something they don't want you to do, then they make you feel bad, like you're not loyal, you're not good, you go from good to bad. You know, all that is dumped on you. And and I've been in relationships with narcissistic people, and I remember, because I didn't know that that was, even a word, that narcissism was a word yet. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if if I leave, they're going to talk about me the way they're talking about that last person. I didn't realize that people did those things. And I dreaded having anyone talk about me like that, like I wasn't loyal or I wasn't good or I wasn't nice. And when I met the people they were talking about, they were nice. They were beautiful. I myself was intimidated that, oh, my God, he's with me after being with them. Narcissistic people are very charming. In dating situations, and I've said this before, and I don't know if you've ever heard this on my shows. However, when they do those dating situations where people speed date and they walk, you know, they they jump from table to table to table, when they do that, the first people chosen 
have a narcissistic personality because they have a lot of experience in first meeting because they end up over time having a lot of them. They know how to get people. They don't know how to keep them because when the rubber meets the road and feelings get involved and and depth gets involved, that's missing. And you don't know what's missing at first. You're just like, gosh, you know, something's missing and you don't get it. And at first, they listen to you. They're more attentive than anyone you've ever met. They want to know everything about you. They listen to all your stories. They tell you everything. You think, oh, my gosh, they're so, you know, vulnerable. And they're telling me all this stuff. And it goes on and on. And you're, you can't believe you've met this person. I found something out. The faster you get in, and it's over-the-top special, the faster you're going to want to leave. A lot of times, people who meet narcissistic people, those are the marriages we hear about in a month, or they ran to Vegas and got married. They could not believe they met each other. And then you hear that a week later, they split up. Because it is like a dopamine hot to get that much attention from one person, them to be that interested. So if you want to know, after being in a relationship like that, because you're going to get sucked in, it's easy to get re-sucked in when somebody gives you that much attention. You're already used to that high. And then normal, which goes a little slower, which you wait a little longer, feels like it's boring compared to that. So just to be aware of what I just said, may help you. Dating sounds glamorous. You know, we're sold dressing up, going out, meeting people. But in real life, that's exactly what you're doing is you're meeting people. And in the beginning, when you meet people, and it's hard to do because, you know, there's attraction involved and You know, we get that kind of excited. We are hopeful. We want things to work. All that is part of who we are. You have to remind yourself that you don't know this person and that you are now getting to know this person. And that's your goal, is getting to know them. And if over time, If you have that luxury of time, even that first meeting, ask them questions, let them answer. They may ask you questions, but if it's really like this weird high, like, oh, my gosh, I just met, you know, and they agreed with everything you said and they made sure, you know, that you knew you were, they were there, go out with them again if you have the opportunity. Because too fast, we 
where you stay three hours and tell each other everything and you believe that that is a sign that you guys are meant to be together because you could talk for hours. The narcissistic personality does that. It's almost like, you know, the bipolar. It's all or nothing. You're going to be together a whole day the first day you meet. You can't stop talking. And then you want to see each other again. You can't stop talking. When when that fact-finding mission is that tilted in the beginning, they're just learning you so they know how to plug you in. So after dinner, let that be it, or a lunch, or a meeting at a coffee shop, and then meet again. And take it, and when I say slowly, it's in how much time you give it, because as you see the person over time, a facade cannot be held on to that long. It just can't. I dated somebody who who was charming and who had all that and I too don't date very much didn't date very much especially then my kids were younger and one day this charming wonderful man was talking about his kids and they angered him that day I don't know or remember what they did but they angered him And he had this look on his face, and he goes, I hate my kids sometimes. Like, I really hate them. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how could you say that about your kids? Now, but I'm a mom, and he's a man. But I couldn't believe it. And the look on his face, I still have in my head till this day. Because two things happened. One, I felt bad for the kids that he could even say that because they were just being kids, whatever it was. I know the kids, and I love them. And I know he loves them. But the way he said that showed me the vacillation, how far you can go. Because the second thing about that was if he could say it about his kids, and I'm not his child, he could say it about me. We're not that, I want to say, unaware. We're pretty aware. Those are our gut feelings that we don't listen to. And he was someone I met that in the beginning I thought, oh, my gosh, where did this man fall from the sky? And and he was just wonderful and told me all these things and asked me all this stuff. But then there came that day where, and and he said it to me. You know, they don't know they're narcissistic or they're, it, and, and, and you don't know either, but you discover. And he said, I think I know everything I need to know about you. I, I think I understand how you would react in this situation and in that situation. And I remember thinking, that's all you want to know? Oh, my God, there's so much more to me. That's all you want to know? So if you've gotten in a relationship like that and you are a giver and they are happy to be a receiver, it makes you happy to give, but you have to learn how to be a receiver 
So how do you learn that balance and how to identify when you're when I'm giving when I'm overgiving and not receiving is to allow yourself to receive. It's hard. But even a compliment you need to be able to receive. If they tell you, Wow, you look really nice today. Wow, I love your hair or I love whatever. Just say thank you. It's really important that you receive, even if it's a compliment, because that way it lets the other person know it's a positive reinforcement that you can also receive and you're comfortable receiving. Because givers are great bait. They complement the narcissistic personality. I'm a giver. And I can attract a narcissist from a mile away, maybe 10 miles away. They've got a good nose. But I have learned and taught myself that part of someone's personality that when it comes out in the beginning, when it's the most seductive, to say, oh, I've seen that before. I know what that is. But what is the biggest telltale sign that you're walking yourself into a relationship like that when you are looking for a longer-term committed relationship, committed love relationship? What is the biggest telltale sign in the beginning? And you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but it's feeling too comfortable. And it's because you already know that personality It's just coming to you in a different color eyes and a different color skin. And you are sitting there going, gosh, I just feel so good here. Yes, because you already know how to respond to that personality. Because then as a giver, you're already set up. Oh, they're going to love it when I cook for them. They're going to love it when they realize that, you know, I'm like a million trick pony over here. There's another thing you can watch out for when you're a giver, and that is, would I, could I allow anyone to give to me what I give to them? What if I got someone to do everything for me? Am I even comfortable with that? And then I never did anything back. If I were that person, if I received and didn't give, would I be comfortable? Probably not. But you also wouldn't be completely committed to the relationship. There is a man that I was working with a long time ago, not not recently. Well, not that long ago, but long ago in terms of how busy I am. But... He has a narcissistic personality, but he's kind of aware of it. He realized over time that he said, you know, every time I I date somebody, I've had five really great beginnings with someone, and all five relationships ended. And after time, because the beginning was so powerful that 
the women couldn't believe that he was really the same person. And once they did, they were gone. After they've lived together, after they've done this, after they've, you know, really just tied in. And he said, but now I'm starting to think it's me. So one of the biggest telltale signs, and this could be done on the first meeting, is ask them why they left their last relationship. Most of the time, they will tell you details. You probably way over tell you about how bad the last person was. And a giver, instead of thinking, oh, wow, look at how they're talking about their last act, because that's going to be you one day. A giver will say, oh, my gosh, I would never do that to him. He's so nice. He's so sweet. Oh, I'm better than that. Oh, he's in for a big surprise. I'm really a giver. Oh, you know what? This is nothing. I can do this. He's so handsome. He's got a great job. Blah, 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 blah. And you go on and on in your brain. And then you get there. And then you start to see why the other person was being spoken about like that. And then you start to realize that they're going to say the same thing about you because there's no way you could stay in this situation. Now you're not only there as a giver, but you're put in a box of being loyal, more loyal than the last person because the last person was such a disappointment. So when you hear those things, red flag, red flag, red flag, you will at the very least know where not to stay. And that's bigger than you feeling uncomfortable because you're not used to receiving. But accept the compliment so that you can accept other things. Learn to say thank you without saying, oh, this old dress. Oh, I just, you know, and you start giving all these great reasons why you don't actually deserve that compliment. Learn to just say thank you and be quiet. I have learned to be confident in accepting, and I had to learn it. And if I can learn it, you can learn it. Receiving was the most uncomfortable position anyone could have put me in. But as a result of that, I found myself in relationships with takers. And I remember one day just having like a thought, like everybody in the world was like that, so I didn't want to be in a relationship. Because I didn't want to, in quotes, work for anybody. And I looked at relationships as a job all of a sudden because in a way they were. It was like this person had this list of demands and I took them on 
and and there was once I left the relationship because I wanted my life back. I missed me. I missed the things I love to do. What I didn't know was that was my own darn fault. That was my fault, not their fault. Just like the person that we're letting go. That person fired themselves. I didn't fire them. But I thought I was because I'm such a giver that I felt bad somebody who lied to go. Right. I'm not waiting for a third time. And if I accept time number two, the third time's going to be bigger because the second one was bigger and more obvious than the first one. So if you don't accept the first receiving, where you can just say thank you and be quiet, and that was really nice of you, and wow, thank you for noticing, and then you can get on to the next one, and the next one, you will learn to receive. Just tell yourself, I'm uncomfortable right now, but I am learning to be comfortable. This is what I look like learning to be comfortable. This is what I feel like learning to be comfortable. You say it took you a long time to leave your marriage. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yes, thank you for your comments. You guys, we have 22 seconds left. I hope it gave you some insight into this whole dating world. I love you guys. I'll see you on Monday morning. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.